Hello everyone, welcome or welcome back to Bloom Podcast. My name is Abby and I'm the host of this podcast and so happy to have y'all back for another week. This week we're going to be talking about the worst financial decisions of my 20s thus far and really not even my 20s, some of these date back to like high school and everything. I'm just saying for my 20s because it's when I learned them, I guess you could say. So, and I will say originally I was going to have this one episode be the best and worst financial decisions of my 20s. And that's what I initially was recording this intro as. And I just like finished the episode of recording. And now I'm coming back to say that we are just doing the worst financial decisions of my 20s thus far because I had so much more to say than I thought I did about the worst financial decisions. And it might have been a little bit rambly, but it was for good reason. It wasn't like I was going on tangents. It was all very relevant in terms of talking about those worst financial decisions. But for the sake of, you know, not having a two hour long podcast episode, I'm going to split it up and have the best financial decisions come next week on its own episode. So definitely stay tuned for that one. And I think that it will honestly be more beneficial that way anyways, because I can be a little bit more explanatory of the (laughs) decisions and everything and actually give a little bit more context to them with splitting the episode up into two. So just a little disclaimer that this is the worst financial decisions I've made in my 20s thus far, but the best decisions episode will be coming next week. I'm really excited to do this episode because one of the things I get asked about the absolute most, and I don't know if it's because people know that I worked in accounting and that I studied finance and accounting in college. I don't know if it's because I give off a certain vibe. Don't really know the reason, but one of the most frequently asked questions I get is how do you handle your finances and just asking about money in general and dealing with money and just wanting me to talk about it more and I try to talk about it I'm I feel as though I'm pretty transparent about it for the most part there's some things I'll just never share just because I don't think it's productive for anyone for me to share super specific details when it comes to certain amounts of things or the way certain things are done just because it's in certain situations or in certain scenarios it's so situational I guess and it's pointless for me to share something that's so specific to my life and the way that I've done things in certain ways so I think for the most part though I'd say I share about 80% very transparently and then you know that as far as amounts and like other little random decisions and the way things are done I think it's totally fair that I keep that stuff private and don't be totally transparent because I think that being 100% transparent with everything is not necessarily always the best course of action because it's not necessarily beneficial because it sometimes can put people into a headspace of comparison when they're consuming the content and I don't ever want that to be something that just happens automatically because of what I'm sharing even if you're somebody that doesn't typically compare just because everybody's situation is totally different and a little disclaimer before we get started I'm not claiming I'm a financial expert at all I have a lot of imposter syndrome when it comes to talking about finances and that's part of the reason why I don't talk about them a lot. I definitely do some, but not a lot. And it's funny that I have imposter syndrome because I did study finance and accounting. So I definitely feel like I know a lot more about money and certain things more than the average person. But that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm a personal finance expert because to be completely honest, the level of finance and accounting I know is much more big company, corporation level business level knowledge rather than individual knowledge so it's not like I'm a you know personal financial planner or a personal income tax person 
It's not me. So that's not what my experience is in. And most of what I learned in college was for the business level and not for the personal level. So I definitely feel imposter syndrome sometimes when I talk about this. And I'm just doing the best I can with what I do now. So I'm not an expert by any means. I'm not sitting here giving, saying that this advice is the one way to do it or anything. But I'm sharing in my life what I think have been horrible decisions financially and in my life what have decisions have been great decisions financially with where I'm at right now but before we get started with the episode I do want to go ahead and get started with a quote for this week and it comes from Pinterest and it's just like a little excerpt of a larger uh, quote or excerpt of something else I don't really know what it's from but it says the point of healing is not to return to a place where everything is perfect instead it is to begin to develop the ability to respond to what's imperfect And I really like this quote, especially for this week's episode, because I have been on a very long, 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 still going, forever will be ongoing, probably, journey with healing my mindset when it comes to finances and money. So I really like this quote across the board for anything, but I definitely thought it was pertinent for this week's episode because healing my relationship with money and my mindset with money is something that's been a work in progress and I definitely feel as though I've sort of had the outlook that oh when I'm fixing my mindset with money and when I'm fixing the way I think about things and when I'm when I'm fixing my relationship with money I need to get to a place where it's perfect and I feel fully satisfied with it but I'm realizing and remembering oh wait that's you know an unrealistic expectation I'm putting on myself and instead it would be a lot more beneficial for me to be able to respond to the imperfections that are kind of inherently within my relationship with money and the way I view certain things with finances and my mindset. You know, there are flawed flawed ways of thinking that I have. And if I could just do a little bit better job of responding to those thoughts and not necessarily believing that they are facts, that could be more beneficial than necessarily thinking I need to get to a place where it's perfect per se but overall just really liked that quote in general but especially for this week's episode and my goal for this week also keeping the theme with this week's episode is to finish setting up our budget as a couple my husband and I we did set one up right after we kind of got married but it's been difficult or it is difficult it's always going to be difficult anytime that I'm kind of doing content creation stuff just because the income is so volatile from it but I typically what I'll do is I just annualize what I made the previous year or what I typically make and make spread that out over 12 months average it out and then spread that out over 12 months so that's kind of the way I typically approach it but even that isn't necessarily always accurate but it's the best that I can do with what I do have And we did set a budget up and I kind of just based it off of one that I had set up a while ago. Um, Actually, right before 2023 started, I had set one up. And honestly, when I had set up my budget then and when we set up this budget, I thought we were, or when I set it up in 2023, it was more so kind of just for my half of things, which we don't necessarily split everything right down the middle, but a lot of stuff we split down the middle or we did before we were married and now we're like combining things. So in 2023, when I had set up my budget, it was mainly just so I could see, okay, I have my salary from my full-time job, and then this is about what I average a month when you annualize it from content creating. And then I, you know, put my half of expenses and everything in there, and then the expenses that just I have, and saw what I had left over, and that's really what was I was doing it for, was to see what I had left over, because 
with that money. I was trying to see what I could, you know, put into my high yield savings account for wedding stuff and to see what I could put aside for savings. And I wasn't, pretty much everything went to wedding stuff for the most part. So that's how it ended up being. But the whole reason I set it up in 2023 was that so that I would have a good idea of where I was at with what I could contribute to our wedding. And that was really beneficial. And then when we made our budget at the beginning of this year, we kind of put all of our, instead of it just being my income in the little Google sheet that I have, I put, we have all of our income and then, you know, like all of our expenses and seeing what we have left over each month. And the only thing is, is what we've done so far. Cause we've had this set up since like mid January and now, you know, it's mid February and we were mainly using it to see what we, once again, what we had left over and then allocating what we had left over after all of our fixed expenses to, you know, the other things, you know, I knew I needed to set aside a certain amount each month to take care of like retirement because with not having a full-time job right now, I don't have a 401k that I'm contributing to and I, I don't have an employer contributing to a 401k. So I am needing to contribute a specific amount each month in order to try and max out a SEP IRA, which is what we like rolled my 401k over into. So lots of finance talk here, but that's what we did with my 401k for the time being and have it in a SEP IRA, which we just got set up or we're getting set up. And there's, you know, a certain amount that you can do or you can max it out but I don't totally know a lot about SEP IRAs at all so I'm not sitting here trying to like talk about them like I know what they are but I know that there's a certain amount that you can max out each year so I just kind of am setting aside what I need to monthly in order to max it out but I also know that how much you put in it is determined based off of kind of what you pay in taxes I believe so with all that being said I don't really know for sure but I wanted to make sure I was setting aside that amount and putting it in my high yield savings account until we had the SEP IRA set up so then I could put the money into the SEP IRA so I wanted to make sure you know I want this money going somewhere so that I'm not spending it and so I know it's set aside already in January and February and maybe March however long it takes us to get it set up so I got that set up and then you know, other things I wanted to like make sure I was allocating to some buckets and our high yield savings account. I use Ally for my high yield savings account and I love it. I made, you know, almost a thousand dollars, I think, in interest last year just from keeping a lot of money in it because I would put like all of my, I put all my tax money in it. Um, I put my expenses, just like my little sinking funds that I have. I put everything for the wedding until like I was actually paying for it, just putting it in there. And I love it. And I love that you're able to like divide things up in the buckets and have different little sinking funds. So once we got married, I kind of revamped my buckets that I had in my high yield savings account to kind of be more reflective because before it was like I had different wedding buckets and everything. And now it's like, okay, we have a travel sinking fund, a home sinking fund, a gift sinking fund, like for Christmas and everything. And then I have like a car sinking fund. So basically just putting money in those so that it's in each of those. So they're set aside for when the time comes for those expenses, the money's already set aside and it's there. So I got all those set up. But so seeing what we have left over is really beneficial because I'm able to see what can I put towards my personal emergency fund. But we're also like, I don't really know if we're combining our emergency funds yet. I'm sure we will just because we can obviously, you know, make more an interest off of a larger balance. So 
we will probably do that. We just haven't gotten that far. It's it's just so crazy. Combining your finances is like so much work and it's like actually so hard. And there's so many different ways you can do it. So we've just had to like sit down and have so many conversations about what do we think would be most beneficial for us to do? How are we going to go about doing this? We opened up a joint bank account and we're, you know, working on getting all of our income going to that account. So then all of our expenses can go to that account. And then I think we're going to see, okay, what do we have left over? after all of our fixed expenses are paid and then based off of that we'll have our own checking accounts and we can kind of pay each other or pay ourselves from our joint account with what's left over and kind of give split that 50 50 with what's left over after our fixed expenses and then any other like kind of joint expenses we incur so that we do have our own spending money that we can do whatever with and it's not like why did you spend this much here and yada 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 and that is what we both kind of came to agreement on would be the best for us granted we haven't tried it yet so I don't really know if that's what's going to end up sticking but that's kind of what it's all about being in a relationship you kind of just see what works for you see what doesn't work for you and figure out what sticks so that's what we're in the process of doing but all that being said putting our budget together is and finalizing our budget is my goal for this week because I we have it set up but I'm going to use a certain website I think it's called eMoney which I don't think just anybody like an average person has access to it I don't totally know so don't come for me because I don't work with this stuff but my husband works with that stuff and his job so he like has one set up for us so and I have access to it so I'm going to set up everything in there and like categorize all of our expenses and all that stuff so that we have like a platform where it's all in one place instead of just using a google sheet and there's nothing wrong with using a google sheet but when it comes to tracking all of your expenses that is too much work to just do on your own unless you just aren't working like a job at all and you have time to do that so we're gonna get all that set up and that's my goal for this week because we have the google sheet budget set up which is kind of like you know a rough draft I guess you could say so we're kind of working on finalizing it this week but we're the reason why we're doing that is because I originally when we got married I was like I don't really think we need to necessarily track all of our expenses and then you know my husband's like well then what's the point of the budget because you're not seeing what you're spending and I'm like I know but I like having a budget to see just to set up to see what I need to set aside savings wise and make sure I'm hitting my savings goals and that's kind of how I've always looked at budgets and honestly it's a very privileged way of looking at budgets because if you're not really having to worry about your expenses then that means you're either just like not really spending a lot or you're you know in a position where you don't really have to worry about that and I think it's kind of a mix of both for me and that's how it has been. But, you know, now that we're married, we, we've we had a lot of really expensive things happen recently. I mean, we went on our honeymoon. We are getting our patio door replaced, which is not cheap at all. And we might need to get our windows replaced. So there's a lot of big expenses coming up. So we're like, no, we probably should track our expenses. And I am just – I said all of that from a lazy perspective. Like, I was literally like, I don't want to – put in the work to track all of our expenses dollar for dollar that sounds so miserable but and it's not necessarily so that we're having control over each other making sure we're not spending it's more so of just making sure that like we are not overspending and that you know we're not impulse spending too much and that we know what we have to go out to eat versus if we have money to maybe go on a spontaneous weekend trip, you know, things like that. Cause we just don't want to be spending money that we shouldn't be spending. And lifestyle inflation is so real. And I think that the reason lifestyle inflation happens is because people don't have budgets and I, we want to avoid that. So I really liked having the budget set up to see, okay, at minimum, I need to be saving 
these things and covering all of my bases when it came to saving and whatever was left over after all of that I've kind of just told myself spend as you wish or save as you wish and that's how I've approached budgeting the last year of my life but now that we're married we're wanting to kind of get a little bit more serious about it instead of being like okay we covered all our bases with saving free willy nilly with the rest of the money no we want to be intentional with the rest of the money because there's trips we want to go on so you know I could have $700 left over at the end of the month or we could as a couple if I go to Target and spend $300 well what about that trip we wanted to go on like should should I have maybe only spent $100 at Target instead you know like just little things like that we have goals together as a couple and not tracking expenses and just doing whatever you want with what's left over is going to put us in a position of probably a lot of impulse spending and not really reaching our savings goals financially or reaching the goals that we have for things we want to set aside for for trips and whatnot so sorry that was very long-winded for the goal for this week but I wasn't planning on really talking about any of that in the rest of the episode but I figured talking about it along with the goal would be beneficial because I knew that whether or not we had a budget would probably be a question and how the budget works but yeah I've had a very privileged approach to budgeting the last year of my life and honestly the last year of my life is the only time in my life that I've ever truly set up a budget just because early in college I was making such a small amount of money work for me and then later in college I just I knew what my expenses were and I didn't have as many expenses just because I wasn't fully financially independent I was mostly financially independent the only things I didn't pay for during college were my car insurance and my phone bill I believe and then my I was on my parents health insurance so everything else though I was paying for and um except for rent I think my sophomore year my mom helped me out a little bit with rent my first semester and then once I started making like decent money off of YouTube and everything I started paying my own rent so all that being said I just never really took the time to set up a budget when I was in college and then my first year postgrad, I my budget mindset was I'm going to save all of my full-time job paychecks and then try to just live off of content creating income, which is what I did for the up until when we bought our house. And then when we bought our house, it was more so, okay, no, I'm going to like live off of both of these, but then it, the priority became saving for the wedding. So then that was the priority. It's like, okay, I have two incomes. I'm going to set up a budget because having two incomes, I need to see what I need to be setting aside for taxes, what I can set aside for the wedding so that I know what we can and can't spend, all that good stuff. So I'm very thankful that I haven't had to necessarily track every single dollar the one and a half years that I have been budgeting, I guess you can say, but um, more so just using it as a framework to know, to make sure I knew that I was covering my bases when it came to savings because I have always been pretty serious about savings even when I haven't had a budget set up but now we're you know trying to get into tracking the expenses dollar for dollar for the most part and for my gratitude this week I am really thankful for a a couple brands that I've gotten to work with recently and that I'm going to be working with coming up just very exciting like very authentic to me and my lifestyle and like brands I already use and I just want to put it out there into the world that I'm very grateful for it because it's just been so fulfilling and rewarding being able to work with brands that I actually use in like my everyday lifestyle and that even if I didn't use them before they're things that align with my lifestyle that I discovered by working with the brand that now I'm you know integrating into my everyday lifestyle and I just want to put it out there that I'm grateful for because I 
I think expressing gratitude for it is a great way to, I don't know, put even more value into it and hopefully bring more of it into my life. And I'm just very, very thankful for it. I'm very thankful for my uh, manager, Lexi, who has been on the podcast before, like a long time ago, back in 2020. She wasn't my manager at the time, but she is now. And she just works so hard and is just the best. So I'm very thankful for her and all of the hard work she does to help me get some of my dream brand deals and just always helping me brainstorm and everything for being a content creator especially now that I'm doing it full-time because it's just like all so new to me to be doing it full-time but anyways let's go ahead and get into the episode so the first one I'm saying um it's actually it kind of goes you know what this one's not either it's a neutral it's a I don't really know how to feel about it point right now and that is buying a home and I this is definitely a hot take and it's controversial because I know that Homeownership is a blessing and it is something that so many people, you know, strive for is owning a home. And don't get me wrong, I am beyond grateful that we own a home and that we were able to buy when we were 24 years old. Seriously, the biggest blessing and I am beyond grateful for it. But based on my, if we are looking at this from a an emotional perspective, I guess you could say. I don't even want to call it emotional though because it's more so just my emotions with the finances of it. That Looking at it from that perspective, it's one of the worst decisions, but looking at it from an, a truly, a true perspective of finances, it probably is one of the best decisions, especially if we do stay here for a couple more years at minimum. But I say that it's the worst, one of the worst financial decisions just because at the time when we bought our home, it was October 2022 when we bought, or September 2022, late September, and we moved in mid-October. At the time when we bought, um, it was right when the rates were kind of starting to increase, and I kind of felt this pressure and this impending doom that, oh my gosh, if we don't buy right now, like we're never going to be able to, which... I'm glad we did buy when we did because honestly we like if we wouldn't have we would be renting right now and we would still probably be continuing to rent for the next several years until rates do calm down a little bit because they jumped so much I can't remember our exact rate but I think it's in the mid fives and so it was right before they like because I feel like they were in the fives for a little bit like they, they climbed a little bit in the fives I can't remember exactly so I may be wrong about this because honestly everything the last few years has just been a blur but I feel like we were kind of sitting in the fives for a little bit. But then like once I got to the high fives, it started climbing so, so fast with the rates. And I was just really worried about that. And I kind of felt like because of what I had kind of set my mind on at the beginning of the year, which in the beginning of 2022, when I started my full-time job, I told myself, I'm going to save all of my work paychecks and put them in my high yield savings account and when it comes time for us to move out of this apartment, God willing, if there is a home available for us that works for us, that's in our budget, all that stuff, and we can make it work together as a couple, I want to do that rather than renting somewhere again. And I felt that way because I knew our rent would be increasing. I knew we could get a lot more. We could, because you can live in a nice apartment and be paying basically what you're paying in a mortgage in a home in Houston for the most part. However, it's that's not necessarily like across the board true because it depends on where you're at in Houston. It depends on a lot of different variables, you know. And so since I kind of set my mind on that at the beginning of the year, when it came time for us to 
start looking at moving, which we started looking, I believe, in late July, early August at places, we, I was like, okay, I like we're doing this. And I, it felt kind of rushed, but I honestly think it felt rushed just because there was so much going on at the time. We got engaged literally the week before we closed on our house, I think. Literally a week before we closed on our home, we got engaged, which I didn't know I was getting engaged that week, obviously. Or I did, but I didn't know until that week. So it's just crazy. And it a lot was going on. And it, in ways, I kind of feel like we probably could have kept running a little bit longer and I could have just saved even more money towards buying a home. But and that's, that's me with my 2020 hindsight, right? Because... What would have actually probably ended up happening if we kept running, I would have been like, oh, I have all this money that I've saved for my full-time job and that I'm going to be able to continue to save over the next year and a half until we get married and I can use this towards the wedding. So I probably would have ended up spending even more on the wedding than we did or than, than I did, like that I contributed because I wouldn't have spent that money on putting it towards our down payment that we did on our home. So... With all of that being said, I it's it's the hindsight twenty twenty thing because I know I can look back and I can totally see myself just getting so wrapped up in the wedding things and being like, you know what, I could spend this money on this and I'll save some of it for the home fund, but I'm going to spend some on the wedding too. So I'm actually really glad in hindsight that we did buy a home because it, I, in my opinion, better use of that money was buying a home rather than throwing more money at the wedding because I think our wedding was perfect as is and any more that I would have spent I just don't think it was necessary but obviously that's also a hindsight thing since it already happened so with all that being said I think buying our specific home may have been what the bad decision was rather than buying a home in general and that's kind of the point I wanted to make because I think buying a home is a great decision I don't I'm not somebody that necessarily vilifies renting because I think renting makes the absolute most sense for most people in your 20s especially when you're starting out your career and I think that you know building up an emergency fund first is in my opinion probably like a better move than saving for your home right out the bat if you don't really have a comfortable emergency fund that gets you through three to six months at least and I think that's a big step to work towards and I think there's a lot of pressure on us to buy a home as quickly as possible just because it's kind of what our parents instilled in us and what grandparents instilled in us but it was we just have to remember it was completely different financial situation completely different economy completely different world that they were living in so it's not fair to have those same expectations for our generation and especially with how different things are now and so with all that being said we absolutely love our home and I really do love our home it's so cozy it's a great starter home for us it's a townhouse two bedroom two and a half bath and it's great size we're in a really really solid location like I absolutely love our location and I hope we can stay in it when it comes time for us to move I hope we can stay in the same general area but the mistake I think might have been we kind of just saw this place and I think we maybe could have looked a little bit harder a little bit longer and maybe found somewhere a little bit better but honestly like we only had an extra probably two weeks to look and then anything outside of that we would have been out of our apartment and not having a home in enough time if that makes sense because we wanted to make sure that by the time our move out date was at our apartment we would already be able to be moving into a home so we probably could have looked for another two weeks before that would have not lined up correctly and I only say that just because our home that we have now there I just think that we maybe should have got like a second inspection report just because there's so much that happened that we found out about that I feel like 
we would have known before we bought had we had like maybe a more thorough inspection and everything or a better inspection just because we ended up having to replace our whole AC in November after a year of living here and our inspector told us it was probably five to seven years old because he couldn't get on the roof to look at it because of the way our townhouses are you just can't get on the roof easily and you have to have special approval to get on the roof because they're old and delicate and blah 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 but all of that being said um the AC had to be replaced obviously expensive but we pay for home warranty every year and that is actually a good financial decision on us I'm glad that we pay for it and that we continued to pay for it after our year was up because a lot of times people will do it for like their first year and then they kind of reevaluate if they want to keep paying for it because it's I can't remember if it's like $300 a year or $500 a year I think it's probably like $500 $600 a year maybe a little bit less and it kind of gives you it's kind of like it's nice because it depending on the plan you have you know it kind of takes care of a lot of our appliances so if one of our appliances was to break we pay like a flat fee of like 80 or 90 dollars for somebody to come out and try and fix it and then if it needs replaced then you get like typically a replacement product for you know a lot lower of a price granted it's typically not a quality for quality exchange like you probably get a lot lower quality a lot more basic level replacement but it's really great for people who you know don't just have tens of thousands of dollars sitting or that they're able to just like spend on a new AC if there's breaks you know what I mean it's really great for start beginner homeowners in my opinion who don't have that money sitting around and thank god we had our home warranty still and that we did renew it because literally a month after we renewed it our AC broke and we only had to pay $800 out of pocket to get a new AC when if we didn't have that home warranty it probably would have been like 10 grand and doing that a month before we got married that would have I, that would have been I just would have lost my mind and I pretty much did lose my mind when we I figured out we had to get a new AC but I would have lost my mind even more <laughs> so um having the home warranty is definitely one of the best decisions and it's actually one I didn't think about putting on our um on my best decision list but going ahead and mentioning it now so all that being said our home has just had a lot of problems our with our patio door needing replaced we knew when we toured that the door was not in the best shape but I feel like the inspector like was not totally honest that it was in good shape like he was just like oh the handle needs replaced on the door no the whole flipping frame and door needs replaced and that has probably been true since we bought it's not like we moved in and then all of a sudden the door is like needing to be replaced in the span of a year like no I firmly believe that it was already too far gone and it just was not inspected as well so that's my opinion but might not be right (laughs) um so with all of the work we're having to put into our home right now and with the windows needing replaced I I'm like there's no way that all of this just happened within a year not even a year and a half of us living here and if it did well then I just have we just have bad luck I guess so with that being said when I say buying a house buying a home it's one of the worst financial decisions what I really mean is maybe buying the home we bought because I do feel like the time we bought prices weren't super inflated but they were definitely a little inflated because the market was in the process of cooling down a little bit after all the craze that was going on but it wasn't like we we did we we were in a situation where they were like there's another offer and we had to go in over asking and I just totally think it wasn't worth going in over asking so it's my opinion um and I just think that we maybe could have looked a little bit longer and maybe found something that wouldn't have been such a money pit in our first you know one to two years and it just hurts to be I'm like really rambling but it really hurts to spend 
a lot of money on a home when you know it's not your forever home. And the reason why it's not our forever home is because it's, you know, two bedroom, two and a half bathroom. Like we, God willing, we do want to have a family and a couple children one day. And, you know, this is not going to suit that. So with that being said, you know, probably in the next five to seven years, three to three to seven, let me say three to seven, because I don't want to set a super specific timeline on it. But in the next three to seven years, don't be surprised if we end up moving type of thing, because that will be, you know, in the cards, hopefully, for us. So all that being said, um, it just hurts to be putting in this much, but it's not like we can just not do it because it's like, if we don't replace our patio door, our baseboard's going to keep cracking from the water damage. And then you run into the risk of mold and all of that stuff. Same thing with our windows. So stuff that has to be done, but it just sucks to like put a lot of money into something knowing that, you know, you may not be even be here that much longer. So that's the longest point I'll have, I promise. <laughs> the second worst financial decision is waiting until basically a week ago to get a second credit card. So I got my first credit card when I was, it was 2019. It was in between my junior and senior year of college. And I got the Discover student card. And as a student, it was a really great beginner card because I just, I had a pretty low limit. I think my limit started out around like three grand maybe. And then now it's, you know, gone up a couple times and it's still kind of low but it's not like that low and once I was no longer a student it just rolls over into a regular discover card and it's a cash back rewards kind of card and I think points cards are a lot more beneficial but as a college student with what I was spending it was really great because quarterly it changed the rewards offers. So typically like during the holiday season, like I think it was each quarter, like so Q4 of the year in the holiday season, they typically did um, 5% cash back at Target, Amazon, and Walmart, which was really great. And then um, in the summer, I believe it was 5% cash back on restaurants and gas, which is really great because gas is typically more expensive in the summer. And then also restaurants um, that's t- you're typically like going out and doing more things when the weather's nicer, that kind of thing, which Houston, it's worse in my opinion, but that honestly, it is a time that we like go out to eat and do more things and whatnot. And then, um, I think in, I can't remember what the rest of them were. I think I want to say the Q1 or Q2, it was like 5% back on Uber, Lyft and like transportation type things. So it was really great as a college student, as you can see, like, cause all of those things are things that you're spending money on. So and it was great. And I remember my dad was like really, he was, when I told him I was getting a credit card, he was he kind of freaked out. He was like, why are you getting a credit card? You don't need a credit card, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, I want to like start building my credit. And I, just because I had started taking a lot of like my finance classes and when I was taking a lot of my finance classes, I was getting more interested in personal finance. And I started doing like my own research and just reading more about like, when's a good time to get a credit card? Like, you know, why it's good to get one sooner rather than later. But I did already have, a credit like record because of my student loans that I got my freshman year in college so at the time I had like a three-year credit history from 2016 so but I didn't have a credit card but it was really good for me to get a credit card at the time because I was able to you know just put like my gas on it and I would put like my groceries on it but I never was necessarily like using it for every single little thing and It was just, I'm really glad that I got one when I did. I honestly think I could have gotten one earlier in college and it would have been good. But my dad was so worried because he thought I just was going to, you know, use it like a free money card. But I was like, no, trust me. Like, I've done my research. Like, I'm not going to sit here and be silly with it. But 
I wish I would have gotten a second credit card sooner. Um, granted, though, if I would have gotten a second credit card sooner, I probably wouldn't have been able to get a good one. I just got the American Express gold card and literally got it last week. Griffin, my husband, he's been like harping on me for a couple months. Like, you should get a new credit card. You should get a new credit card so we can like really take advantage of points because he has the Chase Sapphire card. And then he also he has another card and I can't remember what it is, but he has a Chase Sapphire card, which is really great for travel and everything and other points. Um, but he was like, you should really get another one because it discovers benefits. Just, you know, they're really not that great. And I was like, no, I know they aren't. But I felt like I had, I felt like I wouldn't get approved for a great credit card, which is so funny because that is totally my imposter syndrome talking because I literally have a phenomenal credit score. My credit score is above 800, like transparently being completely transparent, but I built it up from like the 600s. Cause when I first got my credit card, it was in the 600s because I, my only credit history was my student loans at the point, at that point. And, um, I built it up to be over 800 now. So it's so funny because I'm sitting there like, I'm not going to get approved for another, for a good credit card. Like, no, but the reason why I didn't think I was going to get approved for a good credit card, just because I felt it was scary for me to apply to another credit card because I feel so, I feel like I have a lot of debt and I do, I have student loan debt. I have a car loan. My car loans, I think there's only like eight or nine grand left on my car loan. So not too much. My student loans, it's not that much because Thankfully, I had a full ride scholarship and my student loans, I had to take them out to pretty much cover all of the extra college expenses because it's like you have your base tuition, but there was always like $1,500 a semester of these other random fees, like for the specific college you were in, for technology fees, for the parking passes, for all this stuff that I like my parents weren't doing out of pocket and like I didn't have the money to do out of pocket a lot of the times in college not until later in college at least and then also to pay for my rent because you know like it would base the way my student loans were it was the perfect amount to pay for my rent each semester for the most part and then that extra um, like $1,000 that was getting charged to my student account outside of tuition so thankfully I had the fluoride scholarship but I did have to take out student loans for I think I did it for my first three years of college. I don't think I ended up taking them out my senior year of college, if I remember correctly. So having those student loans and then having the car loan and then buying a home, I was just like, I just feel like a lot's happened. Like, I just feel like I have too much debt. And it was just scary for me to apply to another, to get another credit card because I was just like, I just feel like they're going to think I have too much debt. But in reality, you know, I'm just sitting here, totally thinking the worst of everything and I'm acting like if I were to get another credit card I would be irresponsible with it when in reality I know my spending habits I know that I'm good with credit cards and it's all fine but I wish I would have gotten one sooner because I like when I see the difference and just the rewards and everything the amount of points I could have been getting just over the last few years with like the cashback I'm going to be getting on groceries now and like stuff like that or not the cashback sorry the points I'm going to be getting with groceries and those type types of purchases I can't even I'm not even going to sit here and talk about the American Express gold card because I truly can't even think about the benefits right now because I just have so much in my head but I wish I would have gotten one sooner basically long story short so I think that I could have just really maximized points and we could have used a lot of those points maybe on our honeymoon and you know I just, I just think hindsight's twenty twenty with literally especially with money stuff so I wish I would have gotten one sooner and not have just been such a victim to my own imposter syndrome mindset because my discover card like I should have gotten applied to get a second card when I graduated college in my opinion like that would have been 
a good time for me to be like, okay, I'm going to get a second credit card. And I didn't close out my Discover credit card. You never want to close out like your um, or cancel your credit cards because it does make it hits your credit score um, pretty hard and it doesn't look good. So even if you're not putting anything on it, it's better to just have it open and not put anything on it than it is for you to completely like close it. So um, but recent it's crazy because with my credit score, um, it just got to over 800 like a couple months ago. And I think what the what was what finally got it to get to over 800 was because my age of accounts finally was old enough because if you didn't know one of the key factors of your credit score is your age of accounts which is basically your credit history like how long have you had open credit and since I've had it since 2016 because that's when my student loan started um, I always had like a low age of accounts and that was impacting my score kind of negatively a little bit and I still always was in like the 700s but um, my score would just kind of gl- gradually climb. But once my age of accounts hit like eight years, I think that's when it like really started going up a lot more. And it they considered that like a good age of accounts. So that definitely helped the credit score there. But the third worst financial decision is not saving enough when I started making good money in, quote, in quotations. Even though I made good financial decisions for the most part, I should have been saving more when I started making like good money off of YouTube. But to be completely honest, what I started when I started making money from being a YouTuber and content creator, I started making like pretty solid money when I was a junior in college. And it was life-changing for me. I had never like experienced having I don't know, like it was just crazy because a year before that I was you know trying to make a small amount of money last me two weeks for groceries and gas and whatever and really trying to like make it last you know what I mean and then it went from it went from that to you know oh I can pay my own rent and I can you know go out to eat at kind of whatever restaurant I want for the most part and I don't I don't know it was it just became less stressful I guess and I think that I did indulge in a little bit of lifestyle inflation when that happened and I just started kind of like impulse spending on like trendy things like clothes and things that I was never really able to spend money on before like I remember being a freshman in college I learned about Lululemon when I was a freshman in college and (laughs) thanks to you know going to freaking University of Alabama um just with how it is uh you know it was such a culture shock when I got to Alabama and I grew up in northwest Florida which is basically like the equivalent of South Alabama when you think about the way people are I guess you can say for the most part I'm not saying everybody's that way but that's what how most people categorize northwest Florida they're like it's very more it's more similar to south Alabama than it is to south Florida so with all of that being said I get to the University of Alabama and I'm like this is the biggest culture shock ever because I like the cars people were driving I was like oh my gosh the clothes people were wearing I was like oh my gosh it was just a lot and I had never heard of Lululemon before until I got to college and then I was like oh what is this and then I all of a sudden I was like I want this so badly and then I got my first thing from Lululemon I want to say my sophomore year of college but I got it off of Poshmark I think if I remember correctly and then I like actually bought myself a pair of leggings like at Christmas time like something that weren't secondhand and it, I remember it just like feeling so good because it was something that I just like felt like I needed to have to be cool and you know so sad looking back on it but um that's just what happens when it happened to me so anyways I really I just once I started making good money I was like this thing it was almost healing for me to be like this was something 
I could not afford it. I didn't even know what it was. But once I found out about what it was, I just felt like I needed to have it. And being able to just like buy a pair of leggings if I saw some that I really wanted, that was life-changing for me and almost healing in a way to be like, yep, I just bought myself a pair of those once I was a junior in college. However, I probably took it a little too far and I think I probably, I definitely frivolously spent on like trendy things like clothes and all that stuff. But I don't think, I don't think I necessarily was spending like absurd amounts on it. I'm just thinking in hindsight, I'm like, I probably could have saved a little bit more, but I think I made good financial decisions for the most part still because I was saving and, you know, I was saving for my taxes and I was doing all of those things, but I definitely did buy into lifestyle inflation a little bit and I could have saved a little bit more. And I think that that would have been good Um, instead of to help shield myself from lifestyle inflation. I should have adjusted what I was saving to be higher with as I was making more money rather than spending more because I was making more money, I guess you could say. And the next worst financial decision is not having a budget. Um, And like I I already explained all of this to y'all, I didn't even really make one until a year ago, which I know probably sounds so wild because I feel like so many of y'all have followed me for a long time and probably thought of me as somebody who had a budget and was very like good at tracking finances and everything. But like I said, I just kind of always followed the 50-30-20 rule and really just used that as my baseline. And I more so did 50% needs, 30% savings, 20% wants instead of 20%. Uh, savings and 30% once that's kind of what I typically would follow and I just kind of told myself like I said it was in a very privileged position to be like as long as I am saving what I need to be saving you know the rest after all of my fixed expenses I'll spend it how I want to spend it but having a budget I could have been a lot more specific with what I was saving towards I could have been a lot more intentional with what I was spending all that good stuff so I think that that's why I really said you know not having a budget was a bad decision just because there are things that I think I think it would have been really beneficial to have like gift funds set up sinking funds and car sinking fund and things like that a a long time ago instead of just now sinking setting those up just because those are things that I spend money on every year and setting aside the money for those each month rather than you know having to dish out the money for new tires on my car every couple years and the car maintenance and license or registration renewal and then same thing for gifts I especially for gifts oh my gosh because I love 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 giving gifts and I go over the top every year I spend way too much money on gifts especially at Christmas time and I but I just like love gift giving it's one of the things I love to do and I've never put myself in a position of like in a bad position finance financially because of what I've spent on gifts I've just you know maybe made some sacrifices with things I wanted to buy myself at that time of year and been like no I kind of want to put more money into into my gifts but I think that there have been years that I've gone like way out of control and probably spent way too much and I think that having like a gift fund for example set up if I would have had a budget that would have been a lot more helpful so that I had you know okay I have this much money for Christmas gifts this year this is how I'm going to spend it and I just think that having a budget even if you're not tracking every dollar spent It's good to make one at bare minimum just to see what your fixed expenses are so you have a better idea of what you can spend after all of those fixed expenses and so you can make sure your savings at bare minimum are covered because like I said, even if you don't have a budget, I mean, and if you're if you're living your life and you don't have a budget, then, you know, you can benefit from one. Yes, but you may not necessarily need to be tracking every single dollar spent. But if you do, you're probably going to be a lot more intentional with your money of course and I think that if you at least at bare minimum can set one up just to see these are what my fixed expenses are and this is what I should be setting aside saving 
putting into my high yield savings account, whatever, every month, at least making sure that you're covering those bases with savings is the bare minimum that you can do when it comes to having a budget. So I'm like personally begging you, if you don't have one set up, set up and at bare minimum, just at least make sure you're covering what you need to be saving every month and then and see what your fixed expenses are. And then if you're really feeling crazy, go ahead and track all of your um, expenses. I will say one app that I do like if you're wanting to be like a dollar for dollar tracker, Rocket Money is really great. I got it kind of later on last year and it's really great. Like I love the way that it's set up and I love how it kind of, it'll give you alerts like if your account balance like in your checking account's low, which I really appreciate because I never keep a lot in my checking account. I usually I I mean I do not keep. I usually will transfer money to it every week and then I try to just live off of that every week when it comes to like my groceries and gas. And that's kind of how I use my checking account. But, you know, if it's if it gets to like $75, it's good to know that so I don't go and spend $200 at the grocery store. You know what I mean? So I love that it does that. It's really good about like categorizing your expenses and it tells you like if it what um, if a fixed expense has like changed a lot, it can like tell you what your subscriptions are, all that good stuff. So I do really like that app if you're looking for one. Um, and I used every dollar at one point a long time ago, but I think Rocket Money is a little bit more technologically advanced I guess you could say honestly the reason why I didn't set up a budget sooner is because I was scared of being honest with myself and I actually talked about this on my YouTube channel about a year ago um, when I did set up my budget for the first time like actually set one up and I remember saying it felt really good for me to set up a budget because I was really the reason why I had put it off was because I was really scared to see where I was at because I honestly felt like I wasn't in a great place after we had bought our home because when I started paying for wedding stuff I was like oh my god this is a lot and it was just really stressful and then I had several months as y'all know I've talked about it so many times where I didn't really have like any brand deals for like six months and that was the first time since I started doing content creating seriously and getting brand deals it was the first time that had happened. So it was, I mean, a, it was very scary. And I was really scared to get honest with myself with when it came to my finances because I thought I was in a really horrible place. But setting up the budget, I actually realized I was doing really, I was I was like, wow, I'm like actually saving a lot. I am making every month I've, you know, made sure all of my bases are covered when it comes to savings. And I'm, you know, doing better than I thought I was. And it was healing for me to like sit there and, you know, kind of confront my imposter syndrome and my doubt in myself when it came to my finances by setting up the budget. And that it's crazy because you can set one up and you're either going to realize, oh, I'm doing a lot better than I thought, or you're going to be like, oh my God, I need to make some changes. This is scary. But either way, it's a good thing because you're either relieved and you're able to stop being so hard on yourself because that's the position I was in. I was literally so hard on myself and it was not helping my relationship with money whatsoever but it was for no reason like I was sitting there and telling myself I'm in a horrible position like this is not good but like I was just being stupid like that was literally so stupid of me to sit there and be like I'm being I'm in a tough position because no like I had just bought a home like with my husband or with my fiance at the time and like we were doing fine and I was just panicking because I think the knowing that I was going to have to be paying for a portion of the wedding. Like I was like, oh my gosh, like this is, <laughs> this is scary. So then I started like having a lot of doubt when it came to my finances once I got engaged because I knew how much the wedding was going to be a financial commitment for me and, you know, for 
parents helping out and everything. So it was scary. And um, with all of that being said, I think that setting up the budget, even if it is a moment where you set it up and you're like, oh my gosh, I need to make some changes. It's better for you to have that realization sooner rather than later. Trust me. So it may be really scary for you to sit down and do it. But who knows, maybe you sit down and do it and you realize like me that you're actually in a better position than you thought you were. Or maybe you just realize that you do need to make some changes. But once you realize that, pat yourself on the back and say, you know what, good on me for sitting down and taking authority over this and taking control of it now rather than waiting. And I was brave today and I'm proud of myself. So you deserve that pat on the back for that. And the next thing is not taking advantage of some of my job benefits sooner that I have with my corporate job. So my corporate job had a lot of great some great benefits some horrible benefits but some of the great ones were that I got to expense part of my phone bill and my wi-fi every month because of working from home and because of the nature of my job the reason why I could do my phone bill is because the amount of times where I would be like out at the grocery store or out at dinner and I would get a ping and it would be like hey need you to do this right now um yeah so (laughs) I'm having to be on my phone for you know work purposes in those situations and um it's it was nice because I think, what was it? It was 60, I think it was $60 a month that I could expense, which it's, you get taxed on it. Um, cause it's, you know, technically income to you being able to have that expense be, um, reimbursed, but having that money be reimbursed and being taxed on it, it's still like a net positive to you. So it's still a great benefit, but I waited a really long time to start expensing my, um, phone bill and Wi-Fi just because I thought it was like a really complicated process. And I didn't start doing it until almost like a year into my job, which was ridiculous. Like I should have started doing it so much sooner. Um, And if your company has benefits like that, like absolutely jump on them and take advantage of them. Oh my gosh. Like it, it may be a pain to like learn how to set up and do, but it's worth it. Like it's extra money in your pocket at the end of the day. But I just, I thought that it was a really complicated process because people had told me about it. They were like, oh, it is complicated, but like definitely do it. And then I just never bothered with it. And I should have freaking done it. So I wish I would have. But I didn't expense my Wi-Fi though on purpose because for a while because it was the way it was bundled in with my our rent at our apartment. I was like, I don't really think I can expense this just because I we didn't have like a clear amount of what it was. So it was hard for me to provide like a receipt that had like the true Wi-Fi amount on it, if that makes sense. And the people who are like auditing those receipts and like actually like checking to make sure that everything's good like it probably would have gotten bounced back to me so many times and I was like that's not worth the hassle so I just didn't bother with it but I should have with the phone bill especially sooner and the next worst one is lifestyle creep um especially post-grad in, in a new city and lifestyle creep lifestyle inflation basically is just like when you start making more money and you start you know adjusting your lifestyle upwards because you're making more money you start spending more money and we we definitely lived in a really nice apartment our first year post-grad, but I knew that I would be working two jobs for at least the duration of when we were living there for the most part, except for when I was taking the CPA. And we were splitting a one-bedroom. So really, 50-50 splitting a one-bedroom, it wasn't bad at all. Um, and or it wasn't exactly 50-50, but basically, even whatever. Our portions were, our portions made sense and they were not over the top for what we were, you know, I guess making you could say for a one bedroom um if one person was paying that and I mean that it's a lot of money when you're looking at it from a one person paying for a one bedroom but for two people paying for the one bedroom wasn't that bad it was very comparable to what 
honestly, we would have paid for a one-bedroom in our college town. So really wasn't that bad um, when you looked at it for two people. So we lived in a really nice apartment. So I'm, I'm not saying that that was a regret because I – we lived where we lived so that I could be close to my job because when we went to look at apartments, it was December of 2020. And I was fully under the impression that when I would start in um, January of 2022, that I would be in it fully in person because in December of 2020, we were like, oh, like, you know, COVID's not going to be here forever. Like, we'll be able to go back in person and I'll be back in person soon. And that's what everybody was under the impression of with working. So I was like, I'm not, there's no way in hell I'm going to be working busy season hours and having the commute 30 minutes both ways. Like I was like, I'm sorry, that's not happening. I need to be very close to work. So that's why we wanted to live downtown in Houston. So we went to tour apartments. We decided on a downtown apartment because of that. And then we signed for the downtown apartment. I want to say, I don't remember when we signed for it, maybe like February of 2021. And then lo and behold, time comes to start my, it comes time to start my full-time job. And it's like, oh no, you're pretty much 100% work from home unless you want to come in the office like go for it so (laughs) it ended up being kind of pointless so could we have not lived downtown and spent less on rent rent yes however I think that living in that apartment was really great because from the perspective of being a content creator it was so perfect because it had amazing lighting it was white walls it was honestly like it was just really great and it was also really great for me mentally because we lived in the same apartment building as the only girl I really knew at the time when I had moved to Houston. So that was really great for me not feeling so lonely. So I don't regret that at all. But the lifestyle inflation that I do regret that I think that we went a little wild with, we were going out to like nice restaurants and eating out and having, you know, like spending like $125, $150 going to dinner, like probably twice a month. And that's not including the times that we would like go pick up fast casual food. That was just going to like restaurants. So thinking about spending $300 a month probably at restaurants just from like two nights of going to like a nice dinner, that's crazy. That is crazy. And I mean, you know, I may not think that that's crazy in a couple years if we're making more money. But at the time, like we we were just having fun though. You know, like we had just moved to Houston. We were like, we want to try all these restaurants because, you know, the food scene in Tuscaloosa, it's lacking compared to Houston to say the least because Houston's food scene is one of the most impressive in the country. So we were like, we need to try all these places and all this stuff. So we were going to all these dinners and everything with friends and um, a lot of the friends that like Griffin, uh, my husband, because he's from Houston. So we were finally, you know, back in Houston and he was able to like rekindle with a lot of old friendships. So we were like going out to dinner for that and all this stuff. So the lifestyle inflation was real there for sure um, with going out, eating out, all that stuff. But we have really reeled that in over, especially in our year of being engaged. And even now we really do not go out to eat to like those types of restaurants and have like nice dinners and order drinks and appetizers and dessert and all the things. We don't do that very often anymore. Um, And it's truly a treat when we do. Like we just went out for Valentine's Day and I was like, dang, like, how much does this cost for Valentine's Day? Like, I was like, we should have just made some pizza at home and called it a day. But um, lifestyle inflation is definitely very real. But I think that it it really can hit you when you are post-grad for the first time, like, in, especially when you move to a new city because it's exciting and you're like, oh my gosh, there's all these things I want to see. But just remember that you have time to do it all. Like, you don't necessarily have to do it all in your first few months of living there. You can spread it out. You can go to, like, one restaurant a month and have a nice, you know, brunch or dinner or whatever 
And, you know, that's a lot more of a realistic uh, situation rather than, you know, every other weekend going to like a relatively nice dinner and everything. So the last worst financial decision is not getting pet insurance sooner. I wish I would have gotten, which honestly, I don't know if it's that I didn't get it sooner or that I got it at all, if that makes sense. So pet insurance, the way it works, it's kind of like regular insurance. You know, if you get it sooner on in the pet's life, like when they're a puppy or when you first get them, it's a lot cheaper monthly. It will go up as they get older, obviously, but I got pet insurance for Ella a couple years ago, I think, or was it two years ago? Might have just been two years ago. Um, I can't really remember. And I just wish I would have gotten it sooner or just not gotten it at all because now I'm at the point it it increased like $23 a month I think this year and I was like I am not doing that because I didn't what I used from it last year the net benefit of it I was like I just wasted so much money on this last year however obviously if something happens it can be very beneficial but what I ended up telling myself I was like you know what I'm just gonna set this money aside that I would be spending on pet insurance into a sinking fund in my high-yield savings account And just have, you know, just like I have an emergency fund for myself and my life, I want to have a little pet emergency fund too for my sweet baby Ella. So I I really, I mean, I think if you get a puppy when they're a newborn, which Ella, I rescued her when she was like two and a half years old. So I don't even know how much cheaper it would have been, honestly, because she was already basically an adult at that point. Didn't really know of any pre-existing conditions, obviously, since I didn't have her since she was a puppy. Um, But I think if you get a puppy and, you know, you kind of have them from the beginning, I think in their early years of life, it you know, and maybe even carrying into their older years of life, depending on the price and depending on your financial situation, it can be worth it. But I think that you could also probably make an argument for, oh, nope, just setting aside that amount of money every year that you have them and everything, setting aside that money into like a sinking fund for their expenses is probably more beneficial than having paying for the pet insurance, honestly. So that's kind of my take on it. But those are all of the worst financial decisions I have from my 20s. I was going to do the best ones in this episode too but I just chatted for way too long so I'm actually going to split it up and do the best financial decisions next week and have it be a little two-parter especially because I have more best financial decisions than worst financial decisions so I'm not going to sit here and talk for another hour for it but I hope you all enjoyed this episode and I hope it was insightful and like I said please know that I'm not sitting here and saying all of this as direct advice to any of you I am simply sharing my experience my situations and where I am at and I'm extremely grateful for all that I do have in the position I am in and I've come a very long way when it comes to my money mindset and my relationship with money but I still have a lot to work on and do and I really hate that my mindset with money and my relationship with money has kind of made me less grateful in certain situations for things that I should be very very proud of and very grateful for such as owning a home and I never want to take that for granted for a moment. Like, yes, it really sucks that we're having to put a ton of money into our home and everything, but I, and all those are valid feelings and it's valid for me to get frustrated with that and valid for me to think that maybe we rushed into it and we maybe could have found somewhere that, you know, wasn't as expensive that met all of our needs still and wouldn't have been such a money pit in terms of repairs and everything. But all of those feelings are valid, those feelings of frustration and everything and thinking all those things. However, I still all of that stuff going on and all that stuff being a piece of the puzzle, I'm still very, very grateful for the home that we do own and that we have a roof over our head and I never, ever, ever want to take that for granted for a second. I don't want, 
you all to think that I'm like sitting here like complaining about owning a home and like not being grateful for it because I am very grateful for it and I know I've expressed that a lot but I just want to really make sure I am being very clear that I'm very grateful that we are in a position that we do own a home because I know it is so hard to do so especially now um it was already like relatively hard when at the time we bought and now I'd say it's pretty objectively hard like everybody can agree buying a home right now is just hard so I don't want to take it for granted for a moment and I don't want anyone to think we're not grateful for it because we are beyond grateful for it it's just frustrating having to put a lot of money into a home that when you feel like those things were already existing conditions and you should have just found out about them sooner I guess you could say so one of the disclosed that but thank you all so much for listening I hope you all enjoyed this episode be sure to follow in bloom podcast on instagram it's just at in bloom podcast and it's always in the show notes and be sure to join the in bloom podcast facebook group and leave a review because it helps the show out a lot but I love you all and I hope you all have a wonderful week when you're listening to this and I will talk to you all next Monday